You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. I'll make myself like the most high, pride. And he wasn't satisfied. Scripture tells us that God created Lucifer as this anointed cherub, this anointed angelic being. He was adorned with all kind of amazing glowing gems. I mean, he's beautiful to look at. And he's top dog angel. But that wasn't enough because somebody was over him. He wanted to be first, pride. I think it's one of the greatest challenges in the Christian life, in life period. Satan is real. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. He's the enemy of God and the enemy of anyone who has placed their faith in Jesus. He'll do his very best to pull you away from faith. In today's message, you'll learn from Pastor Danny that Satan wasn't always against God. In fact, he was a high-ranking angel, but pride got in the way and Satan fell. Is pride getting in your way of following the Lord? Be careful, Satan knows this tactic very well and he'll use it to cause you to stumble. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 3 John chapter 1 with today's edition of The Living Word. Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia on the previous missionary journey and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you my opinion, but it's very strongly backed up by the Scripture. Not only this one, but the Scriptures that follow this one. Paul was the leader of that missionary ministry team. God made him the leader. And the disagreement they have here They couldn't turn to a scripture and a verse and say, no, here's the right decision. Are you with me? And the leader that God had appointed, Paul, did not think it wise. We know later in one of Paul's letters, he ended the letter and he said, send Mark, John Mark, because he's helpful more for me in my ministry. So he gave an opportunity later for Mark to get back in the game and get back on the team. But now, Paul says, it's not time. He needs to learn some things. He needs to mature. But Barnabas disagreed. Of course, John Mark is Barnabas' cousin, so you got some family pull there. But the Holy Spirit says that Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers, the church at large. And then from this point on, 
the Holy Spirit does not record for us any of the future ministry of Barnabas. No, we have the ministry of Paul. He was the designated leader. He made the right decision, even though it was a decision that you couldn't turn to a scripture and say, this is the right decision. And they both disagreed. They saw it differently. And they divided. And no longer ministered together on the same team. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul opens that letter to the Corinthian church this way, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from close household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas or Peter. And still another, I follow Christ. That was the spiritual group, at least they thought so. They divided over different personalities. And, you know, maybe one liked Peter's preaching better or teaching better. Uh, maybe he was more directly involved under Peter's ministry and somebody else under Apollos' ministry. And so they divided based on leaders. You get to uh, Romans 14, uh, and that chapter is about disputable matters. I mentioned some of them last week from the text in Romans 14. And, you know, some Christians divide over disputable matters. I'm not going to get into those, but some people divide over that. It's wrong to divide over disputable matters. Some people do, and some churches do, and some pastors do, and they leave their congregation to be exclusive. And then I'll mention one more, Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Uh, Paul writes to that church, and that church was very close to the Apostle Paul. They were, that was an endearing church, the Apostle Paul. And yet he writes, and, and there in chapter 4, he says, I plead with you, Odia and Syntyche, these two ladies in the church, to agree with one another in the Lord. In the Lord. To agree in the Lord means you don't necessarily agree on a decision, but you go, well, I don't see it that way, but... I'm going to submit anyway. Euodia and Syntyche, Paul says, um, they had contended in the ministry at his side. So in some way, when Paul was there, or maybe on a short-term trip with the Apostle Paul, they were part of the same team. And now they're not part of the same team. And we don't know what the spat was over. We don't know what the division was over. But it was over something serious enough that they were no longer fellowshipping together. Uh, John, the apostle, said to Jesus one time, Master, we saw a man driving out demons in your name. We tried to stop him because he is not one of us. John had to learn. Jesus said, do not stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. But now here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. The challenge is what do we divide over? Going back to what I read from Acts 15, recognized, ordained leadership. Unless it's something that's just clearly unscriptural, we have to trust their decisions. Are you with me? I think Barnabas, the right thing to do is trust Paul's decision, even though he disagreed with it, stay on the team and keep in submission. He didn't do that. I think that was a bad decision. That's my opinion, but it's backed up, I think, by the text and the text that follows. Whatever it was that made Diotrephes exclusive, he shouldn't have been exclusive. That's in the text in 3 John. Whatever it was he chose to divide over, 
It wasn't biblical. It wasn't right. Not only was he exclusive, he was independent. John is an elder and an apostle, and yet Diotrephes spurns John's authority. King Saul would not listen to Samuel the prophet. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were three leaders under Moses, and they led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And they would not listen to Moses when he tried to encourage them, rebuke them. They wouldn't listen. Uzziah was one of the kings of the Old Testament. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-six says that he. Um, went in the temple to offer incense, something reserved only for the priests. Eighty courageous priests confronted him, but he would not listen to them. I could talk a lot about this one, but let me just say before we move on, people who are independent are insubmissive. Okay? People who are in, independent, they're insubmissive. They're not going to submit to the God-ordained and recognized authority. I'm not going to do it. And then a third thing we learn about Diotrephes, he loved to be first. Now, the root of this is pride. It's pride. You might want to take a look with me. Genesis chapter 25, I, I chuckle even thinking about turning to it. Even though it's, it's serious, it's also uh, a bit humorous. I can't help but think it's a bit humorous. Uh, it's about Jacob and Esau, the twin brothers, and they're in their mother's womb, and now, now it's time for them to be born. And here's what the record says, verse 24 of Genesis chapter 25, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. It means red. Good name. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. Why is he grasping his brother's heel? Because he wants to come out first. He wants to be first. Now, he doesn't know it as a little baby, but it's something spiritual at the root here because the firstborn got greater inheritance, greater status in the family, in the community. And so they named him Jacob, Jacob, heel grabber. That's what it means. So red and heel grabber. And they named Jacob, uh, they named him Jacob because he wants to be first. And you read the story of Jacob's life, and it was a hard lesson for him to learn. You see, a prophecy had been made about he and Esau that the older would serve the younger. And all Jacob needed to do was trust the Lord. But you find he manipulated situations. You find he stepped out on his own, outside of God-ordained authority. And he had to learn a lesson, the tough lesson. Thank God he finally learned it. There are a lot of things connected with loving to be first, pride and things related to pride. Let me just throw this scripture out real quick. Matthew 27, verse 18. It says that Pilate, Pilate knew that it was out of envy that the Jewish authorities handed Jesus over to him. He knew it was out of envy. Acts 17, verse 5, Paul is in Thessalonica. They're sharing the word. People are getting saved. 
But verse 5 said, the Jews were jealous. And they rounded up a bunch of bad characters and started an uproar in the city because they were jealous. Envy and jealousy connected with pride and envy and jealousy are sisters. In 1 Samuel 18, right after David went out and slew the giant Goliath, the Philistine, here's what it says about King Saul, because they come back into the city and David becomes an overnight hero and they're singing this song. People would know the song. Saul is in the song. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And that refrain that was added to that song galled Saul. And here's what the Bible says. From then on, he kept a jealous eye on David. Why? Because David is now a greater warrior in the eyes of the people than Saul. And Saul wanted to be first. Let me read you from Numbers chapter 16, the rebellion with the leaders under Moses, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and then 200 plus board members, basically. Numbers chapter 16, verse 3 says, they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? You know what he's saying there? You know what they're saying? We ought to have just as much authority as you. We're just as holy as you. Who put Moses in that place of authority? If I remember correctly, and I'm sure I do, when God came to Moses in the burning bush, Moses gave five excuses why he should not be in that position of authority. You know what the fifth one was? Lord, please send somebody else. Forty years before, Moses would have said, you got the right man. You got the right man. Because Moses was a man then powerful in speech and action. That was his problem. He was proud. And it took 40 years on the backside of a desert. And then Numbers 12, verse 3 tells us, after those 40 years, Moses was the most humble man on the face of the planet earth. And when God called him, he gave five excuses. And the last one was, Lord, please send somebody else. Humble people don't want to be leaders. They don't want to. Diotrephes wanted to be a leader. He loved being a leader and he wanted to be the numero uno leader. He loved to be first. Do you know that this was the first sin? Pride. Did you know that? Isaiah chapter 14, speaking of Lucifer, God says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I'll raise my throne above the stars of God. I'll sit in throne on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I'll ascend above the tops of the clouds. I'll make myself like the most high pride. And he wasn't satisfied. Scripture tells us that God created Lucifer as this anointed cherub, this anointed angelic being. He was adorned with all kind of amazing glowing gems. I mean, he's beautiful to look at. And he's top dog angel. But that wasn't enough because somebody was over him. And he wanted to be first. Pride. I think it's one of the greatest challenges in the Christian life, in life period. Turn to a few scriptures with me and take a look at these. I'm not going to read all the verses, but Luke's gospel, chapter 14. The apostles had a challenging time learning this lesson. 
Luke chapter 14, Jesus is at a dinner in the home of a prominent Pharisee. And I want to pick it up in verse 7. Lots of people are there for this dinner, this banquet. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, disciples would have heard this. They would have known Jesus is teaching this. And he did it many times. Matthew's gospel, chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, and you go down to verse 17, and he tells them what's going to happen this trip in Jerusalem. He's basically going to the cross. And then verse 20, after he says that, then the mother of Zebedee's sons, that would be James and John, came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Make them number one and number two under you. And you can choose which one's number one. It's okay with me. You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? They said, we can. Jesus said, you'll indeed drink from the cup. And it was the cup of death. <laughs> but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been given prepared uh, by my father. And when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Why were they indignant? Because they wanted the number one and two spot just as much as James and John. Matthew chapter 23. And I want to note, if you're looking there, verse one says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, and then he begins to teach them. And I want to jump down the verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, these disciples are hearing this repeatedly, and they're like, oh, yeah, we got it. Yeah, oh, yeah, we got that. You go to Mark's gospel, chapter 9. And in Mark's gospel, chapter 9, jump down to verse 33. They, Jesus and his disciples, came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Now, surely at this point, after all this teaching, and now Jesus confronting them about what they were arguing about on the road, and no doubt, they didn't think he heard them, and he probably humanly, physically didn't hear them, probably by the Spirit. Spirit told him what they were arguing about. And surely they've learned their lesson now. But then you can just write down John 17. John 17, that's where Jesus lives it out before them in a remarkable, humbling way. They're there at the meal, and Jesus gets up, girds himself with a towel. You know the story. And he goes around. And he washes the disciples' feet. Peter initially refused, but finally submitted. And what Jesus does was the act of the lowest 
servant. And he lives it out before him. Surely they got it now. One more scripture. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. The setting is the final Passover meal. Jesus reveals that one of them is going to betray him. Verse 23, they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. And then don't miss verse 24. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Duh! I'm doing that for me. Because it's a great challenge. I think one of the greatest challenges. To humble ourselves and remain that way. And then as we close out 3 John, verse 10 was a personal word for me as the pastor of this church. I don't like it. It is what it is. John says, so if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us, gossiping. Diotrephes was a gossiper. Let me tell you what God thinks about that. Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 16 says there are six things the Lord hates. Included in the list is verse 19, a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Proverbs 16, 28 says this, a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Because you begin to listen to the gossip and you lose respect, love, whatever, because you're listening to the gossip. Proverbs 18.8 says the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Unfortunately, we tend to want to hear gossip. Now, we'll try to disguise it. We really need to pray for so-and-so. We need to really need to pray for them. We need to really pray for the church over there. And we'll disguise it. But it's gossip. It's just gossip. They go down to a most, man's inmost parts. Let's call the heart. You with me? John said if he came, he would call attention to the gossip. No doubt it wasn't just Diotrephes. It was Diotrephes' followers. Anyone who calls himself a brother, and one of the things mentioned there, not to associate with one who calls himself a brother, but is, and it mentions several things, and one is a slanderer. Gossip left unchecked, and gossip that continues becomes slander. And God hates it. Proverbs 26, 20 says, without foot, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. That's wise words. You know why? That's God's word. Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. If you have heard and still believe that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, that is not true. According to the word of God, words can do great damage. Power of life and death is in the tongue. I really honestly, sincerely pray for myself, for you, for all of us, that when all is said and done, our names invoke thoughts of godly character, faithfulness, self-control, generosity, submissiveness, and the kind of integrity that is revealed by what we say and by what we do not say. Here's our desire. We all stumble in many ways. Boy, isn't that the truth? If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. The goal of their perfect man just means a mature man, not sinless man, not a sinless person, mature. Now, I know that takes time, but, but that's our goal. 
That's our goal right there. That's what I want to be, certainly, and I know that's what you want to be. We're so thankful you tuned in for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. As we continue learning from the book of 3 John together, we pray that this study challenges you to live a life more like Christ. John walked with Jesus for three years, and he had the opportunity to see firsthand what it means to live like Jesus. Aren't you glad we have his writings to help us grow in our faith? Truth and love. This is what a life like Christ is all about. If you'd like to hear more teachings like this from Pastor Denny or hear today's message again, head on over to our website, ccfstpete.church. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to be notified when we post anything new. If you live in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you. At Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry, we meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and again on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. You can find directions and more by going to our website. Again, that site is ccfstpete.church. If you're not able to join us in person, we also offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit our website and click on the link in the menu. Pastor Danny has more to share from this series, so we hope you'll tune in again next time. We're glad to know that you're a part of our listening audience, and we're praying for you. We hope you'll continue to tune in as we learn more from the book of 3 John right here on The Living Word.